Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is February the 5th. 2021 strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin i'm offended by selling don't fomo on altcoins oh that'll be a reoccurring theme through today throughout today's show even though i don't know why people still fomo on these altcoins anyway it has been quite a week in uh in bitcoin hasn't it and in and all of uh cryptocurrency if you've got questions we got some answers we'll have to you could do a super chat you can type in bitcoin meister i'm sure these guys will want to answer your uh questions so who do we got here we got david here today we got daniel here today we got john making his debut and throughout this has been like the week of the impulsive people people telling me that uh that dogecoin is the next bitcoin and that you know elon musk tweeted about it so it, it, it must be uh totally awesome uh so i i want to start with with all of that in mind, uh, and we've got stimulus checks on the way. I, I guess people are spending their stimulus on Dogecoin. Uh, this, the normies think they're making some sort of economic statement by buying a Dogecoin. That that's uh, that's something that's going. On. So let's read this uh, quote here by uh, Daniel Prince. Uh, imagine it's twenty forty five. You sit down for dinner with your family. Your eight year old granddaughter turns to you and says, "So why didn't you buy Bitcoin back in those days?" Good luck explaining that. Start with, I was too lazy to pick up a book or listen to a podcast. Now, that last part, I was too lazy to pick up a book or listen to a podcast. Uh, it, that seems like what's, that's been the theme of the week. I mean, people, they hear about Wall Street bets. That's the next big thing. I got to get in on this GameStop. I got to get in the next trend. It's Dogecoin. Dogecoin's going to the moon. Uh, you know, they don't take time to actually watch a show about Bitcoin. They they, this, the, they want these little quick little sound bits. And yeah, there are going to be a lot of people regretting why they didn't buy a Bitcoin in, in 2045. And to tell your granddaughter, well, I was buying Dogecoin because I thought I put Elon Musk on a pedestal. I mean, that's not going to sound very good. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll start with uh, Daniel Prince. How you doing? Great, Adam. Thanks for having me back on the show, man. Great to be here. Thank you. All right. So what do you what do you think about this current week and what's been going on? Oh, it's nuts, you know, and to really underline it all, I think the the the, the bottom of the barrel of, of the Dogecoin disaster was when I tuned in to the MicroStrategy uh, corporate day and started listening to the first interview and Michael Saylor was interviewing Ross Stevens of Nidig and, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name, um, his other friend. And this is the first time Ross had ever like appeared publicly, and his interview was absolutely amazing. And you could see Michael Saylor's eyes bulging at some of the things he was saying. And so I could tell Saylor was getting more bullish, like the most bullish bull whale out there already was getting more bullish whilst listening to uh, to Ross. And and Stonebridge was the other the other company, uh, but in the chat. In the chat, you had these monkeys coming in like, you got to buy Dogecoin. Dogecoin's the thing. Dogecoin's great. I'm like, who does that? The, right? Who is dumb enough to turn up and watch two of these, you know, titan professionals who are talking very calmly, very professionally, very deeply, very profoundly about Bitcoin and what is gum what is coming around the corner you know ross said um 25 billion on their order book this year he's like this isn't a guess this is what i know this is what is coming and you've still got these monkeys in the in the chat going on about doge and i it just like i had to close the chat down so i could pay attention to the to the interview and um it's just uh, i feel really bad for these guys that uh, are falling for it it's happened before, as we know, the 2017 run-up and all of the shitcoinery and scammery. Uh, you know, just look into Doge just a little bit and you, you see it's a, a joke. And um, just come to, the, uh, come to the orange coin and listen to a podcast or, you know, read an article or listen to a book. Uh, you know, just put in one or two hours of work 
a week and you'll realize that Bitcoin is intuitive. Now, I'm so glad you brought up Michael Saylor's conference because I mean, and who are the type of people that were there? I mean, we're talking like C-level type of uh, individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So dudes that are already pretty uh, financially uh, well off, I mean, knowledgeable. Uh, and so we've got those guys, you know, sitting down for a calm educational uh, discussion. And you just contrast this with this impulsivity, impulsiveness, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's people cry about the rich getting richer, but dudes, they're taking the time. Anyone could have listened to, to the Michael Saylor. Uh, I mean, you were, you were watching it and then, and there were people that had the chance to watch it and they're, they're talking about Dogecoin. So that's the ultimate right there. That, 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 that that's just the, the, the ultimate. So I don't feel bad for these people. I mean, it's, it's out there. And again, this is so repetitive. It's cyclical. We've gone through this before. It is a pump and dump. Some of the people behind it aren't, I mean, they're not even hiding the fact that it's it's a pump and dump. You know, I'll get out here. They'll get out there. I mean, there is no, it's, you know, they're, they're twisting it with the Wall Street bets thing. Like, this is the way to get back at the man. And look, the richest man in the world tweeted about it. So, it, it, David, what do you, what's what's your thought on, on the, this contrasting week, to say the least? Remember when Elon Musk came out like it was like last year or possibly the year before, and it said uh, he put in his bio CEO of Dogecoin. Yes. Okay. Now this was a long time ago. This, especially in crypto time, crypto time moves at like twice the speed of light, right? So you know, months, months here is like years everywhere else. So when I say last year, that's a long time ago. Doge kind of pumped a little bit, not like this one. This one's different. And I think it's different because everybody is, you know, you get like a, usually you like, if you, you know, brush your arm up against like a textured wall, it doesn't hurt, but you take a spill on a bike and your forearms get scraped and you brush that up against a wall and it hurts really bad. What I think is happening is that the whole world, especially anybody had anything to do with that, had any knowledge at all whatsoever about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or anything was watching this Wall Street bet and they got abrased. And now when somebody like Elon Musk says Dogecoin it hurts. Before they didn't notice it, but now they're noticing it because they're all like they're everybody was on pins and needles because of Wall Street bets, because of what they were doing. The reaction of the the reaction of the establishment at that point to them, and all of a sudden they see Elon Musk do this and they go, "Dude, we got to get in." We you saw what happened with Wall Street bets. We got to get in. We got to do this. It's not a good it's not a good chain it's a joke chain the only thing that doge is good for is the fact that the people that made it hated bitcoin so much that now they have to hate their own creation that's <laughs> yeah. the old yeah that is the only thing that doge is is good for except really good memes okay that's you know that that's a good one but at this point the fact that people are so I don't know, tuned, not tuned in, but like they're they're so abrased that they're listening to Elon Musk and they're actually acting on it. Whereas before, everybody took it as a joke. Now it's different. Yeah, you're, this, you make a great point about uh, Wall Street bets. If it weren't for Wall Street bets, no, this would not be going on right now. No, not it now. wouldn't. I, I, I 100% guarantee that this would not be going down had it not been for the last three weeks. And you know, we, we're going to talk about Wall Street bets too. I, I, I don't think it's changing. <laughs> you know, I, I think that the the, the fund uh, managers uh, they will adjust, and such attacks will not be uh, very successful in the future. And this one's not very successful in the long run. They didn't. The people who bought into Wall Street bets to beat the man, um, not many of them are going to end end up beating the the, the quote unquote uh, man there. And uh, yeah. It, <laughs> just uh, the worshiping of, of you know Elon Musk I can imagine he's a very busy man he probably you know he, he went on the Twitter and he just wrote Dogecoin real quick or whatever he did he did three tweets about it and then he went back to whatever he's doing they don't understand they're going to be part of the joke the people that buy into this 
It's a net Dogecoin's a never ending joke, and let it let it be a never ending joke. But they're they're part of the punchline of the joke. Now, now Elon Musk wasn't setting anyone up to do for that. But, I mean, he, he he's very busy, and they they just took him way too seriously, way too seriously. All right, John, we, we've we've said a lot here. You're new to the show. Welcome to the show, man. You, yeah. High energy, high energy, as you can tell. T- tell us what what your thoughts. Um, yeah, what, what's going on. I- I appreciate, well, first off, thanks for having me on the show, Adam. Uh, I, I definitely agree with a lot of the points you guys just made. I think, you know, for the first part of all that's been going on is one, I think a lot of people are just uneducated. Uh, they just don't understand like what the value of Bitcoin is. And they see this fad going on with influencers talking about why, you know, they should hop onto this ride, this rocket ship that is Dogecoin. They're seeing these memes, you know, and at the end of the day, it's human psychology. Uh, it is, you know, a cent to buy uh, Dogecoin. They think that, oh my gosh, well, it's only a cent. I can, you know, get, you know, tons and tons of them. And I think this kind of like rolls back to one of the biggest underlying issues for noobs coming into the space in Bitcoin is that, you know, people see Bitcoin at, you know, 37,000 or 38,000 right now. And they say, well, I can't afford that. And they just don't have the education to understand that there are 100 million units called a Satoshi uh, in Bitcoin. And so I think if we could actually make SATs the standard across exchanges and do a better job of educating people that you can get a lot of Bitcoin for a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, that it would actually alleviate some of these problems of these pump and dump schemes and meme coins like, you know, Dogecoin. So that's that's kind of my view on it. Yeah, making the Satoshi the standard on out there, it might <laughs> for some people it will help. For some people, it will help. I don't know. There, for for other people, it might just end. It just might be a little bit more, make it more complex. I I don't know. But yes, you bring up the point of unit bias, and oh, it's, I can't afford a bitcoin. I can afford these penny coins. You also bring up the influencers, and I gotta say, I've I've been on TikTok uh, looking around because I, I'm doing a project with a company called Coinbeast, and oh my. I mean, the TikTok videos about Dogecoin, it, it is unbelievable, but people oh. pile on and the algorithm picks up on Dogecoin that is popular and it just keeps on spitting out the Dogecoin to more and more people. So it's th- these mindless algorithm, these algorithm servants, Dogecoin is is benefiting from it. it, it it's it's amazing. But yeah, the, the bigger conclusion here is people don't use their heads. People want easy answers. People look to authority. And uh, they, they just, they don't, it, it isn't that, for me, it's not that hard to to watch and comprehend a video like this where I got three smart guys on there and, and just, uh, you know, defer gratification. People cannot defer gratification. Dogecoin is the ultimate example of that, this. And unfortunately, I, I think, well, unfortunately for some people, this cycle is just starting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I don't know what's next. What other coins that we thought were dead are going to come back because they're less than a penny. All, all, all right. So uh, this is something we're going to have to, to deal with. Uh, I, I want to, I, I, everybody pound that like button, click on the links uh, below, check out all these, out all these guys. And I want to, uh, to go into wall street bets. Again. Oh, wait, wait, yes. I want to, uh, Hill, Max Hillebrand put out a, a really good tweet about education today that, that I think fits in right here. Uh, so was, was it? Yeah. Like at, at very early this morning, he says, I just got these two, uh, these questions from a peer two months down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. One, how can I verify the address on my hardware wallet? Two, how do I reach my Electrum server through Tor? Three, how do I back up the script of my multi-sig? And then he goes on to say, this guy's two months in. Two Mm. months. This is a very smart person. (laughs) It's like, so so Max comes back to that tweet and replies to his own tweet and says, it took me years to figure Mm. out just to ask those questions. So there's, there's, for me, it gives me a lot of hope that education is in fact starting to take hold and that, you know, like all, all the things that we were just talking about, how important it is for education to come down the pipe. It's coming. All of us are working as hard as we can on it. It just, the space, the space of, you know, podcasters and people that are writing books and articles, it just keeps growing. And the, the more and more that we do continue to be persistent in that mission, 
the more and more people, it won't take two months. It'll take them one month. Maybe it'll take after a while, it'll take them a week. Maybe we can abstract away so much of it that they're not even having to ask these questions. I mean, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the greatest thing in the world, but abstraction not being the greatest thing in the world, but it certainly can help. I mean, this guy went from, you know, where we were two, you know, three, four years ago, this guy's like there like that. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, we need, you know, th that's great. Max is dealing with some high level people there. Good job, Max. I need him back <laughs> on the show again. Uh, he's very busy uh, over there. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to get some people having some fun, creative, simple five minute shows that just talk about unit bias and, and things like that to get rid of some of the easy, the stuff that we consider easy. Obviously, people aren't grasping that easy stuff. A, a lot of it, if they're buying Dogecoin, we we need to we need to get get back to the basics. Now, and I say we, it's it's you know it's whoever steps up. You know, this is personal responsibility is a new counterculture. I'm sure someone could make a profitable enterprise out of simple education for newbies. I, I encourage it. That's that's what I'm saying. And in, Adam, in the, be, be, before you uh, before we move on, just to um, again add to this point, uh, what Nanya Bidness just said there is um, I, I've seen it as well. Like um, the, the class of 2020 are getting up to speed so damn fast. It's unbelievable. And if anybody is watching that is thinking we're just talking a load of shit and Dogecoin is the thing and Sorry, I said that S word, Adam. I, Sorry. I, I, <laughs> but here's, here's the key difference. Altcoins, let's call them that, altcoins have influencers. They need influencers. Bitcoin has educators, and that is such a huge difference. And it's something you've really got to ask yourself. Am I following an influencer or am I following an educator? And that's the, that is such a chasm uh in this space and when you look at people like breedlove and parker and um you know safe and all of their writing these, these are these aren't trying to influence us they're trying to educate us and this is what this show is trying to do and this is what my podcast and none of your business and and uh, and john's enterprise is trying to do as well this is we are in the education space not we're not influencing yeah I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Daniel. I think one of the things that really drives me nuts about some of these influencers are they try to pump a lot of illiquid coins and, you know, that don't have, you know, a lot of the ability. But all they do is they, they show the, the amount of percentage that these coins can obviously pump because they're not very liquid. And everyone just cites, oh, the percentage gains, the percentage gains. And look, it doesn't, you know, Bitcoin doesn't go up as much as a percentage, but they don't realize the implications of why that is. And I think a lot of it is under, you know, financial intelligence and this kind of like a lack of understanding of why it's pumping so fast or why some of these things occur. And so I think you're exactly right. The education part of Bitcoin is crucial for us to continue to have and not necessarily influencers. So just to your point. Uh, I, that, it was a beautiful point. Influencers versus educators. Clear, unfortunately, in the in the cryptocurrency space as a whole, there there are many more influencers. Unfortunately, and you have to take the time and understand the difference between an, an educator and, and an influencer. It's a re really great point. It really sums up everything. Uh, all right. Anyone else have anything to say about this Dogecoin thing before we? Uh, we move on to a similar subject, uh, the Wall Street bets here. Uh, all right. So uh, first of all, in the chat, GK sent $9.99. Thanks. He says, everyone move to Miami. It's great down here. Oh, dude, <laughs> we'll be talking about that later in the show. I'm yeah. actually, I'm in Miami right now. I think John has interest in Miami. Uh, and uh, Bitcoin Magazine is going to have their event in Miami. So there's a lot of uh, moving down to Miami that, that, that's going on. I mean, it is free and beautiful down here. And uh, yeah, when it, when California is moving to Miami, you're, you're in good shape. Okay, so let's uh, <laughs> let, let's let's get back to uh, we will get back to the Miami. And thank you for the support, GK, and everybody in the chat. Uh, but we'll go to uh, David Bennett on this. Uh, did, did Wall Street bets accomplish anything? Did, did these guys get back at the man? Uh, was it predictable? And uh, what's next for them? Oh, God, this thing is such this thing is a mess. But OK, like to the, the your first question, did they accomplish anything? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And I'll, but let's address the other other things. Is it long lasting? No. 
clearly not. They're gonna they're they're getting washed out, man. And I'm I was getting when I was thinking before the show started, and I was kind of like trying to get my thoughts around this. I still can't get my thoughts around this, so I'm gonna sound like a lunatic probably, or somebody who really doesn't know what they're talking about. But there's something about this that that's going on that if you just look at it on the surface, it's a circus. And it's bad. And these people are definitely going to lose a lot of money. There's a lot of people that did the same thing that they did with altcoins by mortgaging houses. Suicide hotlines are going to go up on Reddit. I mean, we're going to see the whole cycle begin again that we've already been through three times, something like that, with the whole suicide hotline uh, of people buying altcoins. But this time it's with stocks. So from that standpoint, no, they didn't do anything, except that they kind of did. They had the entire Earth, the entire planet of Earth, and all of its financial infrastructure was like, wait a minute, what is that? Now, when you've got, when you do that, there's something there. Something happened. Now, is it good or bad? I don't know. I don't care. It's that something happened. Right now, that subreddit, comprises as of yesterday 8.5 million people that's larger than the population of new york city which is standing at 8.4 million right now they're probably at 8.7 right so one of the other things that that happened aside from the fact that they did activate a monster okay it happened and what i mean that is like not only did they poke the bear and the bear woke up and started getting angry, i.e. the financial systems, the, the financial infrastructure. Yellen wouldn't be asking for an ethics waiver to talk to these people, not the Redditors, but like uh, the, she wants SEC. She wants a bunch of other people. She got paid by Citadel. Who's the bear, the elephant in the room on this whole thing. So she has to apply for an ethics waiver from the Justice Department so that she can have those talks because she got paid and she's talking to the people that paid her, or at least talking about them. That's poking the bear. So that was effective. Now, the other end of this is that they mobilized a whole bunch of people. If it happened once, it can happen again. On a third, the subtext of all this is how it broke down because it did break down. They had wild momentum. And then the next thing you know, it just all starts going south. AMC enters the picture. Bloodbath and Beyond enters the picture. A whole like BlackBerry enters the picture. Was that started in was that started in that particular subreddit by the people that were trying to do this? Were they really trying to target all of these at once? Were they outside influences? Because we don't know. We can't really tell. But there was there, the example of having infiltration come down into something like this is the aspect of the whole silver squeeze that started at the beginning of this week. And you like they there was a whole bunch of talk about how they were now going to how Wall Street Bets was now going to go after silver. Well, a couple of people looked into that subreddit and they were like, I can only find three references to silver in the top 50. And all of them are telling everybody to stay away from it because that's not the one you want. This is not, these are not the droids you're looking for, pal. But even if you subtract silver, if you subtract the whole issue of silver from that situation, they, it does seem like they were going, well, if we can do this, to these guys, then let's do it to AMC and, and Bloodbath and Beyond and all the rest of them. There's no focus. And if there's not going to be any focus, then this group is destined to bang their head up against the wall because what they're going after is so immense and so huge that in the at the very end of this entire story, just by Bitcoin, because it squeezes the whole world all at once. I, I love that conclusion, found that like button. But you did not sound like a crazy man, first of all. You re, you really put it all out there nicely. I, I thought, yeah, they did They did wake up a lot of people. So that, that was something that was accomplished. Is it being infiltrated? Of course it's being infiltrated. I mean, this is a game. If these dudes at the big funds, uh, if they can, they'll take advantage of any way they can uh, to, to, to win. So, I mean, it, it, that's part of love and war here, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. to, to add confusion 
to the situation. And yeah, the silver thing was ridiculous. I, I don't know. I mean, so uh, it, it's, it's a moment in time we will remember, just like how I think everybody remembers Occupy Wall Street. But uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it won't be able to really be replicated on, on the same level. And, and we have people trying to replicate it in Dogecoin. So it's, it's really already deteriorated uh, quite, a, quite a bit. Uh, Daniel, what are, what are they saying on the other side of the pond here? Oh, pretty much the same. Um, it's, you know, I, I see it ending in tears, already has started ending in tears. I just checked the uh, GME, what is it? It's at 63 bucks now, I think. Yeah, $63. And what was the high? 330, 338, something like that. So, my God, you know, yes, you, you had that initial euphoric win when Melvin were going under and, you know, uh, filing for bankruptcy for one minute and then held out by Citadel and, and whoever else the next. And then Robin Hood, like this is the most disgusting part of the whole story. Robin Hood just manipulating the market, saying, right, you can only sell, and then taking it one step further and closing out positions on behalf of their clients for their own protection, in air quotes, which some people were getting stopped out after it crashed all the way back down to the bottom. Uh, it's just, if, if nobody sat up and saw through how the, the, you know, the, the stock market in particular is completely rigged, it, it, there's no other word for it. Let's stop dressing it up. And for, for those people that are thinking I'm talking complete nonsense, it's rigged. It's rigged in so many different ways. It's rigged when they print cash. It's rigged. When they print money, the stock market is rigged. It's going up. But now you have the apps that, that for retail investors, which, by the way, when you use these apps, you're being front run. Every single order you're putting on, you're being front run because that information gets sold off to bigger corporations and they front run these big orders. So they were still winning. Wall Street was still winning. They still had the jump on this. And for and, and there was another one. There was another one or two of these apps that just closed down and did the same thing, sell only or stopping you out. And then even if you had some, I think there were some big guys. Was Elon part of this as well? And uh, Chamath, were they pumping this? They somebody mentioned, you know, it, it, they they mentioned uh, in their tweets like support for it. Okay, like the, yeah, right, yeah. But these but these guys that you know the the big whales, whatever, they're not using Robin Hood, right? They're using a prime brokerage. They've got a direct line to Goldman or Deutsche, whoever they need, and they're gonna be in for the fun of it and out at the top. They're not getting stopped out. They're not getting margin calls. So they would have made a boatload of cash. But now these guys, they're just, they're left holding the bags. And Robinhood, I see, has announced that they've opened up uh, again today so people can start trading and, and it's jumped again. I can't believe people are doing it. It's like, guys, don't fall for it. Uh, and just buy Bitcoin. Like that, that is, that is the, that's all you need to do. Like, you know, you're play, you're still by doing this. Yes, you're making a point, but you're still playing the fiat legacy system. Now, by the way, when you say just buy Bitcoin, uh, some people that are at Robinhood might actually do that and buy it through Robinhood. That's not what we're talking about, because uh, <laughs> you're going to learn the same lesson that they can they can stop you or they can take it away. Uh, mm. These when you're dealing with these third parties. Uh, they've got all sorts of rules and regulations that you you signed on to. You might not even realize. You, you, you probably don't realize that they, they can take away what you think, what you think is yours. And uh, you, you really understand what is yours when you control your own uh, uh, Bitcoin private key. So, uh, John, your, your take on all this? Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much more to say. I think Daniel, ex extremely well said on everything you mentioned. I, I think... Has outside of the amount of money printing that's occurred uh, over the past, you know, 11, uh, 10, 11, 12 months, I think this might have been the single largest red pill for the retail investor to realize that the game is rigged against you. 
it's not here for you. It's here for others. Uh, it's here for the elite. It's here for the funds. It's here for you know uh, people d- with direct connections to to government. And you know, if anything, this just goes to show people why Bitcoin is important. It's because it's not controlled by any specific system that you know is is specifically looking to. Uh, and I don't want to say this in a bad way, but looking to screw the retail investor. Um, you know, there's a, there's a great article that came out uh, by Vanity Fair yesterday about uh, Arthur Hayes and talking about, um, you know, how they've indicted him and in, uh, on all of these different charges for anti, for not having the proper KYC procedures in place. Well, what about the KYC procedures that, you know, HSBC and uh, JP Morgan and Citibank have had over the past 20 years, letting cartels, you know, filter money throughout the entire system. There were no indictments or specific, uh, you know, um, uh, arrest for Jamie Dimon or any of these massive firms. But as soon as somebody outside the system does it, like an Arthur Hayes, man, they're going to come after you with everything they possibly have. And it just goes to show you, you need to have Bitcoin, you need to own it yourself, and you can't have any third party holding it for you. So that's all I'll say on this. All right. This game, Bitcoin, this game is not rigged. That's one of my sayings here. Pound that like button's another one. Uh, do any, any, before we move on, before we're, we're going to, we're going to keep it here. Uh, but, uh, w- before we move on from, uh, from this topic, does anyone else have anything to say about, uh, Robin Hood? All right. So John, we're, we're, we're keeping it with you. Senate passes key, uh, procedural step to allow Democrats to pass, uh, virus relief without threat of a GOP filibuster. So it, this just came out today. Uh, th- that means uh, more money printing. We're, we're going to get checks and everyone's going to get a check here in the United States. Companies, people, it's, 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 it's going down, baby. And that was, it was pretty predictable. Uh, so <laughs> what's your take on that situation? And uh, is it good for Bitcoin? And uh, how do you see this uh, progressing? I mean, I personally see it as kind of a scary time. I mean, at the end of the day, you look at what's happened with money printing since uh, the financial crisis and the end of it. And I don't know if there's any turning back now. I don't know if they can stop you know, printing money at all. And now I don't know if they can stop printing money directly to people. Um, you know, the wealth gap and disparity that's being created as a result of the Canelon effect um, and that money is going to eventually rise to or get to the corporations and not down to the individuals uh, that they can actually make investments to see, you know, assets rise uh, in the markets, you know, is going to create a significant type of socioeconomic issue. Uh, I think it's going to create uh, a lot of uh, pressure in the markets, uh, the, depending on the, which way you look at it. Uh, and, you know, for people who don't know exactly how much money has been printed, I'm pretty sure it's it's something ridiculous, like um, uh, over 200 percent of all money that's been printed, you know, in the past uh, 10 years, uh, is, or it's up to 200 percent more money over the past uh, couple of years than it has been the first 200 years of the United States. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, the value is going to continue to uh, go down in purchasing power. Uh, Bitcoin is an incredibly important uh, asset to to have. And, you know, everyone who doesn't know a lot about Bitcoin uh, as it relates to, you know, the dollar and they say, well, isn't Bitcoin risky and it's so volatile? I mean, I think that it's now you're not a point where you're being financially irresponsible to not learn uh, about Bitcoin and being able to have uh, at least a little bit uh, of an investment into it. So, uh, you know, I don't want to steal the floor here, so I'll pass it off to uh, to Daniel or somebody else on the on the on the call. So, all right, very good, uh, David. I wanted to go to you next because you have been talking about the U.S. dollar dam is breaking. So, <laughs> this is another uh, break in the dam, right? If, if they're uh, going to be printing, uh, giving us some more checks here, I mean, is is UBI on the way? I mean, I mean that John. I mean, you almost were saying that UBI's. <laughs> You were implying that uh, the money printing has to keep on going. But uh, what, what do you think, uh, David Bennett? Yeah, UBI is going to happen. And this is the way that they ensured that it was going to happen. At this point, I don't see I don't see any way out of it. I, I mean, I don't think it's a good idea by any stretch of the imagination. But there's what is and and, you know, what is not. And what is is these stimulus checks that are being printed directly to people are going to continue, but there it's going to be in the form of some kind of UBI as to whether or not they actually name it. That is to be decided. And, and honestly, I don't care. It's all the same thing, but 
there's there's no way to back out of this. There's there's just not. I I I don't the the debt to GDP ratio of almost every civilized nation on the planet is not faring very much better. I maybe Switzerland, Austria, something like that, but I mean for the people that have large sailing fleets of fighting vessels no there's there's no going back it's just it's too late and i don't know what else to say about that honestly. well I, you bring up a very interesting point it's happening in all the other countries yeah so, they just us so the the dollar can still remain king of the fiats can it yeah and you know what this does is all it does is indenture you to the powers that be and I don't, you know, I could tinfoil hat this all day long as to why somebody would want to control. That's actually a question that I always ask myself is when somebody says, well, they just want to control you. My answer to myself is always, yeah, but why? I, I don't want to spend my day trying to control you, man. I want to go fishing. <laughs> to get votes, to get votes. That's all. So they can have power. I mean, it's just, but see, that's what, again, that's what I'm saying is like, go for a walk with your lady on the beach. Stop wrestling with the power. I mean, these people stay, some of these people, I could see them actually being awake for 14 hours a day for the last five years because they're worried about trying to, how to maintain control. And I'm like, well, what are you maintaining it for? I, at the end of the day, you're still going to die. You know, I mean, you're going to end up, you're going to end up being worm food. And if you're on your deathbed and all of a sudden you realize all the time that you wasted trying to control other people for whatever reason you want to control them for, what a waste of life. I don't know if sociopaths and psychopaths think that far ahead. I, I, <laughs> I think, uh, well, that, that is right. And, and I do view these people as sociopaths. Honestly, there's no other explanation. But getting back to the getting back to the money, yeah, there's no going back. We're gonna. I think we're gonna end up with UBI. I think uh, the without saying any particular word, this particular time that we're in revolving around certain biologies. I don't know. Maybe it was like you know, was it constructed to do that way? Oh, I don't, I don't even want to get into that. It doesn't even have to be. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Never let a good crisis go to waste is definitely, I mean, you don't have to worry. You don't have to go put tinfoil hat on for that. Never let a, a, a good crisis go to waste and lie, lie, lie. If you're a sociopath, it, it, it continues. And the lies, I mean, AOC, I mean, the things that AOC, I mean, we can't even say the things that she says, you know, where she was on this date, and tying it into other things that might have happened in the past. The, the lies to get sympathy, to get more power, I mean, to get more power. It's, it's unbelievable. But the but memes, gonna... the memes that are coming out of that whole thing are, are priceless. Come on, let's, really let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, but we, we cannot say the words you even describe what ha it's like. It's unfortunate. Like, right. And she, and she wanted people to tell all like she was lying and people caught her up, caught her out on her lies. And then she told her social media followers to report those people, to be snitches. Yep. That's the type of people. I mean, I, I could and, and she's praised for telling people to be snitches. That's the world we live in today, where snitches and victims are the ultimate. Uh, but we, we, it's, it's a shame we can't talk about the specifics of, of what uh, the story she, she put together. And if something bad happened to her back in the day, that's bad. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But to, to combine it with something that didn't happen in the present. Didn't uh, anyway, we, we went off. Uh, we went off on a rant without specifically saying what it is. You guys can look it up yourself. Ben Shapiro on his show on Thursday talked about it beautifully and in, in a very beautiful way, in a very in a very nice way. Also, he gave her the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so uh, Princey, we'll, we'll 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 go to you on the money printing here. What, what's what's up? I mean, uh, we, we are we going to have UBI in the United States? Do you care? Um, uh, is the British pound will that be printed to oblivion? Also, do you care? <laughs> yeah, well, when when the US print, everybody prints, right? It's a, yeah. it, you, you enter into a currency war straight away because um, you, you enter in this race to the bottom to try and keep up with the US devaluing their dollar, so that um, you know the imports and export balances of of other countries that are dependent because everything's settled in the US, right? Everything, you know, if if Singapore sell oil to um, the Philippines, that still gets settled in US dollars. Uh, so 
this is this ripple effect around the world when the US just print all of this cash it is just incredible. But one 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 point on on UBI, uh, I, I know a lot of people are going to be dependent on it uh, because of you know their businesses have been shut down. But you know it, it's it's not a good thing. It's just it's really a bad bad thing. And just one example, the amount of small businesses that have been affected by this that haven't been able to to stay open during these times if they can find a way to reopen they are now in direct competition with the u.s government and competing for labor if you're sitting at home and getting cash mailed to you and dropped in your mailbox or into you know god forbid they bring out a cbdc then you you, you potentially going to be earning more for doing nothing than actively going out looking for work. So these small businesses are going to get squeezed, even if when they can open, if UBI is going out, the, the small businesses, the mom and pop stores, the, the entrepreneurs, they're, they're really, it, it's bad, bad news for the economy. It just doesn't work. You can't just give people money. No, you, you can't. And it's being directly deposited into their bank accounts so they don't even have to get off their list on the couch and go to the uh, go to the mailbox. It, go, it gets right right into there. So, yeah, the, the people who want to hire are going to have a hard time uh, hiring people uh, if they're allowed to open again. A, a very a very good point th that you bring up uh, there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, that's 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 the trifecta right there. So it's not only like, hey, if you're allowed to open up again. Oh, and by the way, uh, when you do decide to reopen, we're going to make the the minimum wage fifteen dollars too. So good luck, small business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would say pound that like button, pound that like button if you're against the freaking minimum wage. My God, but yeah, there's going to be a fifteen dollar. I mean, they, they don't even think it out. A national fifteen dollar minimum wage in some of these states, I think, like in Mississippi. You're doing pretty well if you're making fifteen dollars an hour. So they're going to put all the small businesses in Mississippi are going to go out of business now if they're forced to have a federal uh, fifteen dollar. I mean, it's it's not even thought out. It's just everyone. They fifteen dollars is arbitrarily picked, uh, just like the two thousand dollar check number was arbitrarily picked. It's it's all marketing. It's 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 what gets the the normies excited. It's it's short term thinking and it's uh, it's here to stay. So uh, you can complain about it. Or you can compete with Bitcoin and not have to worry about being in the fiat regular world, okay? And trying to fit in with the fiat people. I love. I mean, I'm. It's been, Bitcoin's been very, very good to me, and it should be very, very good to everyone. Uh, once the UBI or whatever they want to call it, uh, it comes our way. Uh, do Do you guys have anything else to say about UBI, uh, money printing, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, this is my UBI. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see what you I, I got I got a different script. What, what did you hold up? What was it? Cold card wallet. Oh, pound that like button, people. Yeah. Yeah, that, hey, shout out to Rodolfo. Yeah. Ex yeah, absolutely, man. He's he's been on the show before. And I'm I I met him in person in Canada. All right. I wish I could go to Canada now, but I mean we're living in these times. You can't even go to Canada anymore. Okay, so we got a a, a guy in the chat. That is called, uh, I don't know if I can say his name. Uh, he named himself after the former president of the United States, number 45. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that anymore. He says, a Bitcoin Meister, I lost big with silver calls. Oh, God, man. I know better than to play the rigged stock market game. Back to uh, BTC only. Okay, you learned the hard way, dude. The silver stuff was being promoted by somebody over there. I, I want to do a, a quick round robin here. Uh, I... Do and and person who who put that in there that named yourself after the the previous president. You've heard me talk about silver before. Uh, you you know that I am I want to vomit when I hear about all these silver stackers and stuff. I think it's so old fashioned and just nonsense and and just like not part of the modern world. Uh, like I mean, it's so hard to. I mean, what's the price of silver pumped by the time you tried to dump it? Uh, at, at your dealer, I mean, was he even paying that much? Uh, who knows? So, what, what what are you guys' thoughts on precious metals? Uh, real quick, we'll, we'll start with John. Yeah, I mean, look, I think traditionally uh, metals have been around for so long; it's kind of hard for me to bash on them. I just think that now with Bitcoin, uh, kind of the game has changed. I think it's kind of a uh, 
it's the narrative is it's like Bitcoin is for younger people who are much more digital and, you know, precious metals that are hard to move um, that you can technically find more of in the earth is just something that, you know, I think is not as appealing to uh, to newer age generations. So it's not that I have anything against gold. I just think that Bitcoin is a is a better asset than gold. Um, so that's kind of really all I have to say about it. But uh, I'll pass it along. Daniel, precious metals. Name me one that's going to 10x. Right. <laughs> David, precious metals. Gold needs Bitcoin so it can have a reason to exist, having some electrical conductivity so it can play a small role in relaying transactions from one person to another person halfway around the world is the only reason for gold to exist. Honestly. Right. Uh, I. There you go, people. Gold is old is, is what I say. I don't know why anyone – I think there's like this doom mentality. These guys who, who have thought the world is going to end for many, many years, they just can't give up on their gold and silver. Uh, yeah, I think you should. Um, One more thing. Right. Yes. One more thing. It should be noted that as of right now, we're looking – we're uh, Bitcoin market cap is staring square at the face of, what, $700 billion? Yes, Total above ground gold market or a silver market cap is 1.4 trillion. We're about halfway, halfway to seizing you know 50% of silver's market cap. We got five, we got six percent of golds as of early this morning. I well, I, I you know I never thought about that, but so I care so little about silver, I never made that comparison because Bitcoin is one day closer to a trillion dollar market cap, and I guess it's one day closer to a four point trillion one one point four trillion dollar market cap, and it's closer. To, I mean, I, I just I think of it, you know, Bitcoin's better than any company out there, and Apple is worth two point one trillion. Apple is worth more than silver. Okay, come on, dudes, why is anyone needing the silver? Okay, here's a, here's another question. <laughs> Here's another question out there. I don't know if this guy is tricking me into saying something about altcoins, but he paid five Canadian dollars. Vapor smooth. I don't exactly know what you're talking about, but I'm going to read your thing. It says ample force or benchmark protocol. Does anyone know what that means? I've heard of ample force, but I can't remember for the life of me what it is. Ample force or benchmark. Does anyone know what he is talking about? And, uh, Vapor smooth. You can clarify that in the chat. What exactly you're talking about, and and, and uh, I will uh, I will bring it up with, with, with the panel. So you can do that uh, right now. But uh, for now, we're going to move on to to another topic. We talked about Michael Saylor educating the uh, the CEOs and stuff beforehand, and uh, at the conferences. Do do any of you guys have anything to say about that? I know uh, Daniel, you said a lot about it, but uh, David or John, do you have anything to say about uh, uh, Michael Saylor and his? Uh, reaching out to and his conference that he had this uh, on Thursday and Wednesday. All right. No, 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 no comments from the rest of the crew. Okay. That's, that's fine. He's, uh, he's doing by his the thing. way, I yes. just did a quick, quick search for uh, ample force. And uh, yeah, it's, um, I can't say that word. Okay. So, all right, dude, you, you paid your five dollars. You got me to say the words, dude. All right, ample for okay. All right, moving on. Well, let's talk about an altcoin then, since we're I, I got fooled in the same one there. Uh, Ethereum has reached a new all-time high. Oh. And I, I, okay, no, no, I did. and you know, I, I think it can do. Let it do that. Let it let it do. The, the fees are unbelievable on Ethereum right now. They are like they are also at an all-time high. And uh, I think back in the day, some Ethereum guys used to love to say, you know, B Bitcoin had a scaling problem, a fee problem. They got their own problems now. Uh, and the, the Ethereum 2.0 apparently will fix everything. And, hey, I, it's, uh, it's not a zero-sum game here. Ethereum could do well. Bitcoin can do well. Whatever. Uh, but do you guys uh, – David, you were moaning there. Do you have something to say about Ethereum? Uh, well, I mean, all, the fees are basically driven right now by uh, the whole DeFi and your finance stuff. And they just got hit again for another $14 million on, what was it? One of its die vaults, like uh, YDI via uh, version one, just got just got hammered to the tune of $11 million. And there was two, there was basically not two transactions, but there were $11 million came out of the pool, but somebody actually was able to make off straight up with this $2.7 million transaction. 
75% of that block weight was the gas fees, which was 8.6 million in gas. This is why, and it's like people will point, people are pointing to this saying, look, this, you know, Ethereum clearly has the edge over Bitcoin because look at all the transactions. Okay, how many times can I trade sushi for yam yields and fried bananas and, and go yield farm some other vegetable token? Because I don't know how to get it out of there except to straight up sell it for fiat and punch out. Because they say, oh, well, you can get loans. Well, you can't get loans for houses. You can't get loans for cars is, is, uh, unless I'm just clearly wrong. All you can do is get loans against other tokens so that you can go yield farm some other kind of fruit. Right. So the usage is coming from this very, very tightly wound. It may be a lot of people in it, but it's a circular economy of vegetables and fruits and assorted raw fish. It doesn't seem to have any external reach into the real world. It just stays swirling around in this whirlpool. But as the velocity of that whirlpool runs around, more and more gas, more and more transactions, more and more stuff is going on, except the translation for the Ethereans is, see how good we've done. And at this point, I'm just, I, I can't tell it. I, I can't impart to anybody how worthless this thing really is. That's what I got to say about it. Whoa, pound that like button for you. The, the truth talk there from you. I mean, interesting take. Uh, let Daniel, your your take on Ethereum uh, lately? It's been my take for, oh, God knows how many years now. Um, if anyone's watching and into Ethereum, you know, go and check out what it means to have a central point of failure. And then everything just follows after that because you have a central point of failure who can be coerced, who can be um, you know, told to do something or forced to do something against his will or can just be put in prison if somebody decides. And then the whole thing is just an even bigger mess than it already is. There, there's just, but why? Why run that risk? Why, why be, I, I don't get it. It's, no, it's, it's a big no for me. Uh, John, uh, I mean, John, you work for, uh... Uh, some pure Bitcoin people out there. So I think I know what you're going to say, but uh, take I, mean, I mean, I, I, I don't want to get uh, too perverse here on my thoughts on Ethereum, but I mean, you know, there's this big meme out there that F is money, F is money. And who wants to have money that you have all of these like protocol vulnerabilities? I mean, whether it was like, like the one that happened a couple of days ago, um, you know, or like last year with DeForce, there's a bunch of just different like things where people have, you know, their money staked or their, you know, if they call it money is their Ethereum staked or wrapped Bitcoin staked. And then next thing you know, like your money's just gone because of a vulnerability in the protocol. I mean, I think that's the the real key about Bitcoin is, is like the, the code is a specific way in which you don't have to worry about losing your money in some protocol that is completely beta that was created in someone's garage last weekend. That's what really scares me about uh, Ethereum just in general. And I, I suggest people stay away from it if they're uh, if from from my point of view. We're jumping around add? again. Uh, DeFi's ICO on steroids. This is just the beginning. We're you're going to be farming all sorts of stuff soon. So uh, uh, people, I mean, it's it's not stopping, and the fees are only going to go higher. Let them do what they're going to do. We'll, we'll see. I, I've lived through the ICO thing before, and maybe something good will come out of it. Uh, David, you wanted to say something. Yeah, it was just a, a, a thought passing in my mind is that this is like a microcosm of the whole uh, influencer situation with Elon Musk and Doge. We, you know, you got a whole, like the whole Wall Street bets. All of that is contained inside of Ethereum. Every part of what we saw over the last three weeks, you can shove all that into Ethereum right now. And that's what it means. That's where, why it's where it is. That's why it can continue to run, even though starting all the way back with the Dow hack, all the way back to 2015, when it was first demonstrated beyond, beyond clarity that it's centralized and at any given time, a very few set of people can roll back the entire chain. From that point on and the subsequent wallet hacks and the subsequent DeFi hacks, and it still goes on and on and gains momentum simply seems to be a microcosm of or a, a mirror image 
of what we saw over the last three weeks. But instead of three weeks, it's been six years. Uh, well, if, if people want someone to worship. They want Vitalik. I mean, he's a uh, – and that's just the way some people operate. They, they, they love having – they think it's a good thing having a figurehead. It's a central point. It's it's a point of weakness ha- having having a leader like that. But there are people in Silicon Valley who love, you know, there's no Bitcoin 2.0. There's no Bitcoin 3.0, but we have Ethereum 2.0. There, there's some people that love uh, newer versions, updated versions, leaders, the text that, that can talk and explain everything. So there, there's, there's compete that they, they can do it their way over there. Bitcoin can do it. Uh, it, it's way over here, and uh, well, and again, it, it's not money. It, it's, it's not really trying to be money. It's, it's trying to be this platform to do all sorts of interesting financially related uh, projects, I guess. Uh, and and by the way, Vapor Smooth, the dude who brought up uh, those two things that I'd never heard of, Ampleforth and Benchmark Protocol, he says both are rebasing and pegged to different things. So a bit confusing, but looks like Benchmark might be the better hedge play. Dude, I don't know what you're saying, really. It's very complex. <laughs> it is very complex what you're saying, and a lot of people love complexity for the sake of complexity. That's why they like Ethereum. I'm a very simple guy, buy and hold. So you can repeg this and repeg that. I will continue to buy and hold Bitcoin and everyone could go their own way. It's been pretty good the, the buy and hold thing for me. Like it's, it's really simple. Like I bought Bitcoin and I've never sold it. And now I don't have to work for the rest of my life type of thing, but you can. And, and so it's like, uh, you, you could choose whatever path you want to go on. I sometimes Adam, they're, they're very simple answers in life. Sometimes people try Adam, to overcomplicate. Yes. It takes price volatility and converts it to supply volatility. What is it that you don't understand, man? <laughs> Dude, I, you, it, it, it's, uh, you, uh, can, you can make things sound, com- there's complexity worship out there and people uh, go for the complexity. I'm not gonna try to interpret the complexity. Uh, it's, it's, it becomes a different language and uh, people can have fun uh, playing with that stuff. And it's, it's, a, it's a good way to market your product. Just make it so complex that no one understands. It's not even the people that are talking about it. So anyway, let's uh, we're, we're here at the end of the show here. I, I wanna, uh, yeah, well, we, we, uh, we can keep on. A, it's going to cut us off in an hour. So we, but we'll keep on going after that. In, in three minutes, it's going to cut us off. So if you get cut off, don't panic, guest. It's going to keep on going. I got to do a little magic, but let's uh, let's talk uh, with, with John real quick about uh, Miami. You're very interested in Miami. Uh, t- yeah, t- t- yeah, 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 absolutely. So I think you know over the past year, I, so I've been in New York for over ten years. Uh, you know, I love New York. I think it's a great place. The past year has been so bad up here, uh, in my opinion, that it really does you know take. Uh, someone to start to uh, explore different areas. Uh, I was down, I've been to Miami a couple times over the past year. I can't get over. It's like a different world down there. Um, you know, I think people are a lot more in tune to reality than, you know, being sheep and just listening to whatever the government or officials want to tell you. And I, I, uh, I'm very excited about uh, everything that the mayor of Miami, uh, Francis Suarez, is doing with this massive initiative to bring businesses and create Bitcoin, uh, a hub for Bitcoin uh, within the Miami uh, scene. I think that's terrific. The fact that you know a local municipality has put up the Bitcoin white paper on its site is terrific. So I, you know, I'm very bullish on everything Miami has going on. You know, SoftBank has a hundred million dollar fund. You know, encouraging more business to come to Miami. I think while certain cities, uh, you know, and states like California and New York are trying to shun small businesses and business uh, from being here, you know, states like Florida and Miami in particular are trying just to accept as much and uh, prosper in these times uh, while we're dealing with COVID. So uh, I'm very, very high on it. Uh, I guess my one uh, shameless shill for uh, this entire talk is that, you know, I work for BTC Inc, which operates Bitcoin Magazine. We're going to be hosting uh, Bitcoin 2021 in June in uh, Miami. I'm very excited about it. So for any of those who want to check it out, please uh, check out the website. So I'll leave it there. Yeah. It's uh, the fourth and the fifth, right? And uh, hopefully I will be there. I've got my ticket because I was going to go to the one in California and it keeps getting changed, but it's great. It's not in California anymore. And yeah, New York is a disgrace. It is a disgrace what has happened for being one of the greatest cities in the history of mankind to being the land of the sheep. It's And not everyone's a sheep over there, but uh, yeah, it, 
who could have predicted this? Very, very sad. All right, uh, let's uh, go go to uh, Daniel real quick. It's going to cut you off, but don't worry, I'll, I'll save you. Okay. <clears throat> uh, my thoughts on Miami? Oh, no, Miami on, on uh, just anything, anything. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm, thoughts. Anything I'm looking at. Out? I'm, I'm looking at coming to this conference, John. So uh, that'll be uh, that'll be cool. Uh, awesome. I'm also look. I'm also hoping to um, to get to a certain hundred k party that might be going on around that same kind of time. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pound that like button. Hopefully, you never know. Six digit realm. That would be great. That would be a great way to celebrate, indeed. And I, I'm not sure. I wonder when the Ethereum hundred k party will be. That, that that'd be an interesting guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> come on, Jitsi. All right, we're still here. Keep on going. All right, all right, gonna, Jitsi. Somehow you're going to get back. You're going to get into the United States somehow in June. Yeah, that, that'll be allowed by June. God, I'm will. hoping so. I'm hoping. I'm hoping to bring the family down and uh, do like two or three months, maybe more, and, uh, and and check out that whole area, maybe some other states, and head down. Hopefully, hit uh, Bitcoin Beach uh, in. Um, El Salvador, that would be a great place to go and uh, go and check out. And actually, John, I was um, interviewing yesterday. Th this will drop tomorrow. Fractal Encrypt. Uh, we're, we're talking about his amazing node, and I know he's going to be auctioning the fifth one. At it's going to be on display, right, at the uh, in Miami for the uh, for the conference. I think so. Yeah, that's going to be great. Absolutely. All right. All right. Yeah. Plug your podcast, definitely, Daniel. Ah, once bitten. Thank you, Adam. Yes, for reminding me. Yeah, one, one spits and podcast. He's linked to below, so he tweets it all out and everything too. So, so follow, de definitely follow him. And, and you really got a positive outlook on the international travel uh, during the summer. I, I, I hope it happens. Uh, I'm not <laughs> betting on it. I'm I'm betting on uh, you know visiting uh, all 50 states. I guess not all. I can't go to Hawaii or Alaska either. <laughs> what a world! Because <laughs> I'm not getting that thing in my arm. I'm not. All right. So let's. Uh, <laughs> David, uh, really quick, David, bring up your your zombie hypothesis. And John, you can leave whenever you want. To. I know you got to get out of here for your meeting. So uh, yeah, thank you so much. You got to appreciate jet. it. All right, All right. See, uh, John. See, see, see you, guys. John. All right, uh, David, quickly, the zombie hypothesis. Okay, we got six hundred zombie corporations, which basically means that they're. They don't have any money and their revenue can't even match the payments on their loans. So they're, but they're still able to cut checks to employees. When you take 600 of these guys and you look and you take them and put them on one side, and then you look at MicroStrategy and the 1400 attendees and the uh, institutions and or corporations or whatever that they represent, they basically represent a lot of companies and corporations that are solvent, have money, are able to make a play to Bitcoin. I have a theory that Bitcoin may be the nail in the coffin to zombie companies because they cannot afford to buy enough Bitcoin at this point to do anything for their future because they will not hold Bitcoin in the future and people like Michael Saylor and his companies and corporations will, then the only play is that at this point is a real estate play on the zombie companies because, I mean, yes, the United States government could continue to subsidize these particular zombie companies forever and a day, and maybe they'll never go away. But with Bitcoin in play at this point, I just don't see them being able to survive very much longer. Because so many companies that are well run, that have been well run, you know, that are financially ethical, at least insofar as to themselves, like MicroStrategy, they saved money. They have a whole war chest and they threw it all at Bitcoin. And now you've got all these other people like the Stone Ridge guy from, N, you know, NYDIG doing the same thing. And he represents a whole bunch of other people that they want to do the same thing. These guys are going to be well positioned on the arc. However, the zombie companies are not. And when the flood comes, I don't, I see them just basically getting washed out. It's, it's, it's zombie insurance, but you got to get it in advance, obviously. And if you can't afford it anymore, you're, you're, you're in trouble. I don't know if uh, some of those companies that are listed as zombie companies, uh, the, the general public probably will eventually like be like, why is the U S government bailing these people out still? Uh, they'll probably be able to say, well, we employ people. 
that it can only last for so long. So interesting take on that. Uh, Bitcoin will become a bigger uh, financial uh, financial factor in companies' uh, uh, goings-ons in the future. So I, I do want to uh, – one final thing. Uh, we're in February now. Uh, Bitcoin uh, on December 31st had never been over 30,000 before. Now it's been over 30,000 every single day since then. Yet we have people that are, are sad that it's that it's only 37,000. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what do you guys have any people don't have long term memories, I, I, I think. Uh, Daniel, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's crazy to think. Where were we? Like foreign change back in uh, March of uh, of twenty twenty, when we we all of a sudden it just just. I mean, think about those days. Uh, even then, that that's the beauty of the the Bitcoin community. We were still happy, like we were still. In fact, maybe even happier than than we are now, because that just meant cheap cheap sats. Uh, so for anyone that uh, is upset, it, you know, at the end of the day, the honey badger doesn't care and it's just going to do what it does. Don't worry. Hold on. This thing is going to 100K before the year end. So who knows? Oh, we, we got a prediction out of you there. And it was March 12th. <laughs> it was March 12th and 13th, which is now we're getting close to 11 months ago now. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, that, that beautiful day where I bought two more Bitcoin over that 48 hour period. Oh, I do, I do have fond memories of that. And and unfortunately there are plenty of people that got liquidated that day and uh, had to sell all their Bitcoin. They don't have fond memories. Uh, uh, and David, your thought on uh, people's uh, short-term memories, how they, now, now they're disappointed by, uh, if, it, if it drops to 31K, they're in panic mode, yet it had never been 31K uh, as of, uh, 31 days ago basically <laughs> yeah time compression in this space is is a real is a real thing um whereas you know people in legacy markets would be they'd be upset of these price price swings in 12 months we see them in such short order that it's a different world so like i saw somebody lamenting the other day it's like well look man it, it fell from 40 to 30 and i'm like dude this is the same argument of going from 20 you know, all the way back, you know, all the way down retracement to to eight and then six. And then you get the March, you know, the March thing happened that goes all the way back down to four. And they say, point at you, laugh and say, see, see, i.e. Peter Schiff. I mean, and then it shoots. It, it goes sideways, comes up, goes sideways, comes up, goes sideways. We have like this massive three year consolidation. It shoot blows past 20, hits 40, comes back down to 30. And what I told people, I think it was like Wednesday on my podcast was that all you really have to do is say, look, it went from 20 to 30,000 in a month. That's it. That's all you got to worry about. That 40K, that's just for people like Peter Schiff to hold on to like a life raft. That's all they have at this point. <laughs> The Peter Schiff 40K life raft. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking about uh, Peter's, don't go Pete Townsend on those guitars there. I, I mean, I would like <laughs> to smash some, but I'm just, you know, who am I? <laughs> who am I? Who are you? All right. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Thanks a lot, dudes. Remember, This Week in Bitcoin is every freaking Friday. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you, guest. Shabbat Shalom. And uh, see you, everybody, later. Bye-bye. Have fun. Strong hand. Bye. All see right. you guys. All right. Let me uh, end it on.